Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Great Detectives. If you're enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And a reminder, as you're making your travel plans for 2024, remember johnnydollarair.com johnnydollarair.com is a Priceline affiliate link, so part of the purchase price goes to support the Great Detectives of old time radio at no additional cost to you. So remember when making your travel plans, check johnnydollarair.com. Well, now it is time to get into the conclusion of this week's Yours Truly Johnny Dollar Serial. From July 25th, 26th, and 27th, 1956, here now is episodes three through five of The Open Town Matter. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. How you making out, Johnny boy? Who is this? You disappoint me, Johnny. You ought to recognize the condition of not the voice. Joe Crayley? Yeah, the drunken reporter on the Daily Herald. I want to talk to you. Where are you? Oh, no, you don't. Not tonight. Why not? In ten minutes, you'd have me shoot my big mouth off. About the rackets here? And the murder of the honorable chief of police. And the peculiar morals of his lovely young wife. And Joe, listen. And L- last but not least, the ethical and philosophical problems of an intellectual lush. A reformed idealist who once or even twice Joe, tried... Joe, an hour ago, in front of City Hall, somebody fired five shots at me. Joe, are you there? Beat it, Johnny. Grab a plane, train, bus, or walk, but get out now. When they put the finger on, it sticks. Greensport, boy, is a wide-open town. Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly... Johnny Dollar. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Greensport, Missouri, to the Home Office, Great Plains Guarantee Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment The Open Town Matter. Expense account continued. Item 7, $1.85, taxi to the home of the mayor of Greensport, Will Lyons. I decided to go straight to headquarters, so to speak. Joe Crayley, professional reporter and semi-pro drunk, might have been able to help, but I didn't know where to find him. So far, I had a lot of questions, no answers. Police Chief Ed Blake had been shot to death in his own home with his own gun. His young widow, Marty, and city attorney Dave Sherman had been present and both told the same story. Mysterious prowler. Supposedly, the prowler was Shorty Wells, an ex-convict with a grudge against the murdered chief. But Shorty was missing, and the case was at a standstill. So I went right to the top to Mayor Lyons. Come in, Mr. Dollar. Come right in. Thanks. My wife is going out this evening, committee meeting at the women's club. We can talk here in the library, if you don't mind. All right, fine. Take a chair there. 
Yeah, well, Mr. Dollar, I will say it's a pleasure to see you safe and sound. Well, you heard about the shooting, then? I heard the shots from my office. Then the acting chief of police phoned me a few minutes later. Well, does he know yet who did it? Not the slightest. There were no witnesses, at least none who cared to talk. Car took off at high speed and then just disappeared. Like Shorty Wells. Fine. I sympathize with your feelings, Mr. Dollar. I'd feel the same way if I'd been made a target of. But you can rest assured, sir, that every facility of law enforcement in this town is working round the clock to bring the culprits to justice. Yeah, well, that's very comforting, Mayor. But actually, I'm not sure I was the target. What do you mean? Well, when I left you and Dave Sherman and came out onto the sidewalk, Marty Blake was waiting for me in her car parked at the curb. She'd been there about 20 minutes, she told me. Yes, but Whoever I Whoever fired those shots had the setup plan worked out. And I don't think they could very well have planned it for me. Why not? My schedule wasn't predictable enough. They didn't know when I'd leave City Hall, whether I'd be alone or not, or what I'd do when I stepped outside. It's a point, all right. Marty, on the other hand, had been there for 20 minutes. Plenty of time to arrange the thing. But why? Why should anyone want to kill her? Well, there you got me. I don't know. After the shooting, of course, I had a police officer assigned to guard duty at her home, but I regarded it as merely a routine precaution. I was certain that the attempt was made on your life, Mr. Dollar. Well, those bullets came too close to both of us for very much peace of mind. Well, at least Mrs. Blake has protection now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Unless that police officer himself knocks her off. Well, you're joking, of course. Mayor, that's the worst thing about this whole case. I don't know whether I'm joking or not. But surely you don't think... And you, are you certain of which ones you can trust in the attorney's office, the police force, in your own department even? Not entirely, no. Well, the rackets as wide open as they are here, some of the men around you are bound to be involved. I know, it stands to reason. Every raid we've ever attempted has been tipped off before we even got started. Blake tried while he was alive. Dave Sherman tried. I even organized two myself, told nobody about them, brought in state police to carry them out. Same result. Say, what about Blake? He must have been in with a mob to live on that lavish scale he did. I suppose so. Dave and I suspected him at times, but we could never turn up any actual evidence. Were he and the city attorney friends? Ed and Dave? <laughs> no, they couldn't get along at all. And yet, the night Blake was shot, Dave Sherman was staying overnight in his home. Yes, I know. I've thought myself it was a little odd. Dave says Blake had asked him to, invited him to go on a fishing trip the next morning. <laughs> a fishing trip? And yet they couldn't get along. I know. I can't explain it any more than you can. Any chance Dave Sherman was the intended victim that night instead of Blake? I really don't see how, Mr. Dollar, in view of the circumstances. Blake was killed when he heard a prowler and went downstairs to investigate. No one could have expected Dave to do something like that. No, no, I guess not. It was just an idea. I've thought of all kinds of outlandish possibilities myself, but it always comes back to the same thing. Shorty Wells. Yeah, the ex-convict who swore he'd get Blake when he went to prison. He was paroled just the week before, Mr. Dollar, and he was seen in town the day before the killing. And nobody has found hide nor hair of him since. Yeah, yeah, it adds up all right. But somehow I still can't buy it. Maybe it just adds up a little too well. Three-fourths of the criminals who are sentenced make threats like that, but it's a rare one who carries it out. Rare, yes, but not unknown. Oh, true. I admit he's a strong possibility. But when I hit town this afternoon, I thought Marty Blake was a strong possibility. Until the city attorney himself came up with an airtight alibi for her. 
Why did you suspect her, Mr. Dollar? Insurance. A $50,000 policy on Blake's life. His wife's the beneficiary. Well, I don't imagine 50000 will last Mrs. Blake very long. Hey, tell me something, Mayor. Are she and Dave Sherman close friends? At one time, yes. Uh, in fact, Dave was pretty serious about her. But after she married Blake last year, Dave turned against her completely. I see. I don't think he'd risk an alibi for her out of friendship, if that's what you're thinking. Oh, I don't know exactly what I'm thinking. Mostly I'm just guessing. <sighs> I've been doing that two years now, Mr. Dollar. Guessing, figuring, trying to spot the leader behind these rackets. Not knowing which officials I could trust. Mayor, is Dave Sherman one of those you can trust? I'm not sure. Good evening, Mrs. Blake. Well, this is a surprise. Come in, Johnny. Join the party. Thanks. Of course, I'm the party. There isn't anybody else. Except my watchdog sitting out there in front. Yeah, I saw him. Cute, isn't he? I didn't notice. I did. Think that's terrible, Johnny? A girl who's been a widow four days noticing another guy. Why not? You didn't care anything about your husband. That's right, I didn't. Here's to all husbands. May they rest in peace. He's a cute cop, all right. You know what? I asked him to come inside and have a drink with me, and he actually blushed and stammered. Now, wasn't that cute? Devastating. <laughs> Would you blush and stammer, Johnny? No, I'd take the drink. Which I will, by the way, if you don't mind. Here. Make me another one, too. All right. What's the reason for this one-woman celebration, Mrs. Blake? I said, what's the... I heard you. And you can call me Marty if you want me to answer you. All right, Marty. Why the lonesome gal routine? It's not so lonesome now, Johnny. Oh. Here's your drink. Used to getting shot at. Shot at how, Marty? Like we were this afternoon? Or like your husband? Everybody can't be lucky. Maybe Ed just didn't live right. <laughs> well, he's not living anyway now. I bet you know how to live, Johnny. Oh, sure, sure. I got a system. Tell me about it. Well, the first thing I do is hook up with the rackets so I can buy my wife lots of expensive gifts. Why don't you lay off that stuff? Why don't you try being nice for a change? Well, that's not part of my system. I didn't kill him. You know that now, so... Why don't you relax and be human? Oh, the last time I relaxed around you, I caught the breeze off of five bullets. You're breathing, aren't you? I might not be, if they'd been after me instead of you. So you're still on that kick? Oh, it figures, Marty. I'm no threat to anybody, not yet. I don't know enough about this mess. And you're saying I do, I suppose. I think so. Now, who'd want to get you out of the way, Marty? To keep you from talking, maybe. Don't you ever give up. Oh, all right, tell me this. Did Dave Sherman really see that shooting? Or is he just giving you an alibi? Why don't you ask him? Or is he giving himself an alibi by any chance? You're crazy. Maybe. Where's Shorty Wells? What? I said, where is Shorty? I heard what you said. Well, then suppose you tell Get me. out! What are you so upset Get about? Get out of here right this minute. Get out or so help me off. Take this. it easy, Marty. What's that cute cop going to think? I don't care what anybody thinks. You get out of here and get out fast. Item nine, $14.40, drinks, tips, and transportation for a local expedition in plain and fancy pub crawling. 
I was looking for Joe Craley, disillusioned idealist and erstwhile reporter on the Greensport Daily Herald. I found him on my third martini. He was on his seventh. How, oh, Johnny? How'd you do it? Do what? How'd you find me? Mm, called your paper. They gave me a list of your hangouts. I had four more to go. <laughs> the reputation is a wonderful thing. Keeps you from staying off the straight and narrow. He's looking at you. Right. Joe, mm. tell me about Marty. Tell you what about it? Everything you know. What for? She's got an alibi. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. But you still won't give up. Well, she hates champagne, but she always orders it. Why? Because it costs more. I see. She's every man's dream, Johnny. A pink and gold doll in spangled tights. And she's a four-star tramp. She's an ex-dancer, isn't she? She's an ex-lot of things. Ex-girlfriend of Shorty Wells. Ex-girlfriend... Huh? Girlfriend of Shorty Wells? Sure. Ed Blake took her away from him. That's why Shorty threatened to kill him. Said Blake was framing him. Maybe he was. I don't know. Anything could have happened with the police they got in this town. Crooked? Is that what you're trying to say? Some of them are that. The rest of them are useless. Like that business with the gun. What gun? That Ed Blake was shot with. They found it lying beside his body, his own gun. They just assumed he'd shot it out with the killer. It was two days before they realized he'd been shot with that gun. That Blake hadn't used it, the killer had. Wait a minute. Do you think Shorty Wells and Marty could have planned the thing together? Johnny, I wouldn't put anything past that dame. Why do you hate her so much, Joe? Guess again, my friend. I don't hate her. I'm in love with her, always will be. Joe? Yeah, before she met Shorty Wells, she used to be my girl. <laughs> Gives you something to think about, doesn't it, Johnny? Johnny Dollar. Hello? Hello. Johnny? Yeah, who's calling? Hello? Hang on a second, Johnny. Look, what the devil... Is that you, Joe? Joe! Sorry to keep you waiting, Johnny. I was trying to get all the dope on another phone. What dope? And how did you sober up so fast? There's a big story breaking, boy, and lush or not, I'm still a reporter. Then go somewhere and report. I'm going to bed. You want to bet? Now, look, Joe. Nobody sleeps in Greensport, Johnny. It's a wide-open town. Racket, shootings, a murdered police chief with a lovely widow. Sure, fine. So what's the big story? A fire, boy. House burning down. Flames 50 feet high. Three alarms. Put your clothes on and let's get going. You get going. The only big story I'll be interested in is when Marty Blake is charged with murder. Johnny, that's where the fire is. At Marty Blake's... From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Greensport, Missouri, to the Home Office, Great Plains Guarantee Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the open town matter. Expense account continued. <music> Item 10, a dollar and a half for a breakneck taxi ride to Marty Blake's home. Its location marked against the night sky by a pillar of flame visible for a mile. The fire didn't make sense, so it fit in nicely with the rest of the case. None of it made sense. Police Chief Ed Blake, Marty's middle-aged husband of eight months, had been shot to death in his own home with his own gun. 
And less than 24 hours later, Marty had filed claim on his $50,000 life insurance policy. She didn't love him and admitted it. Good case. Except for one thing. The city attorney himself was present at the time of the shooting and backed up Marty's story of a mysterious prowler, supposedly ex-convict Shorty Wells. But Shorty was missing, and the whole thing was just a little too convenient, too pat, especially in a wide-open town. Joe Crady was going to meet me at the fire, but I didn't see him around. The flames had taken a strong hold, and the whole outside of the house was blazing. The fireman couldn't do much except try to control it, keep it from spreading, and to hold back the crowds that had collected on the street and lawns. Well, how do you figure this one, Mr. Dollar? Among others present was City Attorney Dave Sherman. Well, you wanted to get things stirred up. Well, they seem to be stirred, all right. Were you here when this happened, Mr. Sherman? No, this time I'm not a witness for the defense. I arrived after the fire engine. Yeah? What about Marty? She's all right. She got out before it really caught. Sitting over there in my car. Then she was here when it started. Yeah. Alone? Well, so it seems. But there was a police officer on guard oh, earlier. I, I thought you meant alone in the house. Yeah, he was out here in front. First thing he knew, flames were breaking out of the windows, and then Marty came running out of the house. No one had arrived or left? Well, not that he saw. Well, you're still trying to tag her, huh? Oh, I'm trying to tag whoever is guilty. She figures, that's all. Not on the shooting? No. Oh, not with the alibi you've given her. Mr. Dollar, look. She was standing ten feet away from me in the second floor hall when Ed Blake was shot to death in the dark downstairs. Now, that is not an alibi. It is a fact. Oh, yeah, sure, I know. Unless, of course, I'm lying. All right, are you? Why? For old times' sake, maybe. You were in love with her once, Mr. Sherman. Oh, I could name two dozen guys around this town who were once. Yeah. Shorty Wells, for instance. That's right. That's why Shorty threatened to kill Blake when Blake sent him to prison. He claimed he was being framed out of the way to give Blake a clear field. Go on. Shorty's a hoodlum. He was guilty as charged, all right. But Blake was in on the rackets, wasn't he? Well, it would seem that way. Then there's also Joe Crayley. Marty was his girl at one time, wasn't she? That's when he started drinking, when she threw him over. Why did she throw him over? For the usual reason. Somebody knew. Who? Well, me, I thought. Took me three months to find out that I was running interference for Shorty Well. All right, so Joe Crayley took the drink. What did you take to, Mr. Sherman? Law enforcement. I set out to break the rackets in this town and get rid of hoodlums like Shorty Wells and all the rest of them. Yeah, but the rackets are still here. And I'm still trying, Dollar. Now, look, I want to get one thing very straight. What? Ed Blake's killing. It happened just exactly the way I told you. That story is true. Marty didn't do it. Maybe not. But she's in it some way. She's bound to be. Well, that's something I wouldn't know. Everywhere you turn in this case, you keep hearing about Marty Blake. Marty Blake. She's the one link that ties everything together. Well, maybe. That fire there. What's the story on that? Why don't you ask her? I left him standing there, staring into the fire. Staring into his own past, maybe. I didn't know. To me, he was still a puzzle, a question mark. And I didn't have the answer to him. Not much else, in fact. If he was telling the truth, Marty Blake couldn't have killed her husband. And so far, at least, there was nothing to show he was lying. I pushed on through the crowd of spectators, the thrill-seekers, the morbidly curious followers of fire engines, and walked toward Sherman's car. Marty was sitting there alone, subdued for once and quiet. And she looked scared. 
Hello, Johnny. Get in and sit with me. All right. Just look at it. Isn't it terrible? Yeah, it is. Be worse if you were in it. Well, I was when it started. Just how did it start? I don't know. I think you were right, Johnny, about that shooting in front of the city hall. Oh? I think it was me they were after, not you. Now they've tried again. Possible. There's no other reason for burning down my home. Who do you mean by they, Marty? Who? I don't know. Whoever killed Ed, I guess. If you know, you'd better tell me while you still can. If somebody is out to get you, if that's what's behind all this, then they obviously mean business. I don't know, Johnny. I told you that. Well, how about a guess, then? Oh, maybe Shorty Wells. I don't know. Why? Why? The man he threatened is already dead. Why would he go after you? Maybe to get even. He told me he hated me when I broke off with him. It's just the kind of thing he'd think of doing. Or didn't you know he was in love with me once? Oh, I knew. I'm asking you, how did the fire start? I don't know, really. After you left this evening, I lay down on the sofa. I'd, I've been drinking, as you know, and I guess I just well, went to sleep anyway. No one else had been there after I left? No. Anyway, I woke up with smoke all around and flames and all. It was terrible, Johnny. I was just lucky I got out alive. You always were lucky, Marty. Joe, what are you doing here? How about it, Johnny? Are you glad I phoned or not? Oh, yeah, sure. Wouldn't have missed it for a million. Has she confessed yet? We can run a new headline on the extra if she has. I can do without any remarks from you, Joe. Sure you can, baby. You're doing fine, just as you are. Get away from here and leave me alone. Can't do it, baby. I'm assigned to cover the fire. Gotta get all the angles. Human interest. That's you, baby. You are human, aren't you? You stupid fool. Financial angles, too. Got one there you might be interested in, Johnny. Did you know the house is heavily insured against fire? Yes, yes, I know, Joe. I checked through the company report before I left the hotel. Oh, what of it? What if it is? Most houses are insured against fire, aren't they? Sure they are, especially by prudent people like you. People who think of everything. Oh, take it easy, Joe. Get him away from here, Johnny. Only you didn't think of everything, baby. What? It's too bad your car wasn't in the garage instead of sitting out in the driveway. Then all your assets would have been converted into cash. Nice, green, bloody cash. Get away from here. Get away and leave me alone. Why, baby? You can afford me now. You couldn't a couple of years ago. That's why you're tied up with all the other... What the devil? I came from the house. Well, there couldn't be... Ammunition, maybe. Yeah, your husband must have kept boxes of cartridges around the house. Look, there by the cellar door. Somebody's staggering up out of the basement. Johnny, look... He's got a gun in his hand. I can't be. He's fallen down on the ground. Come on, Joe. Oh, man. When the dam breaks, everything goes. How could anybody come out of that thing alive? We Greensporters are tough cookies, Johnny. Lucky, apparently. He's passed out cold. Another minute and he wouldn't have made it. His clothes are smoldering there. Yeah. Let's turn him over and get that coat off. Right. Easy now. All right. Good Lord. What's the matter? This is the boy everybody in town has been looking for. Shorty Wells. Room 604. Greensport City Hospital. Time midnight. The time when the pulse of living starts to slow down. The beginning of the quiet time. When the city sleeps and the nurses and interns walk even more softly. When a ticking clock becomes a drumbeat in the ears of restless patients. The time of crises, when battles for life are fought in silence, and won are lost. A battle like that was being fought in 604, witnessed at the moment by myself and city attorney Dave Sherman. 
Well, this is always the tough part. The slow part of waiting it out. Maybe a long wait, Mr. Sherman. Nearly three hours and he still hasn't regained consciousness. You know, I can't understand where he's been hiding out since Blake was shot. Yeah, well, it's hard to tell. I've turned this town upside down, I tell you. I just can't understand it. Oh, I can't understand a lot of things. It's just another one of a lot of things about this case that are hard to figure out. Well, it's tied up with the rackets. That's what I'm sure of. I'm not sure of anything about this mess. Yes, if we could just tag the person behind them, we could wrap it up. If we get only... Oh, excuse me. I'll get it. Dave Sherman speaking. Oh, yes, Mayor. Oh, Dr. Morton says he may hang on for a day or two, but as far as pulling through it, he hasn't got much chance. Oh, he hasn't been conscious at all yet. Yes, I'll... Yes, I'll keep in touch. I'll let you know the minute there's a... All right, Mayor. Good night. Mayor Lyons, huh? Yeah. He's a real fuss budget sometimes. He ought to go to bed. And talk. Wait a second. Hey, he's trying to talk. Oh. False alarm again. Dollar, do you think he started that fire? Oh, I don't know. If he did, he got caught in his own trap. I just can't figure what he'd hope to gain by doing anything. Johnny. Dave? Hi. Has he been able to talk yet? Not yet, Joe. Get your story found? Just under the wire. Of course, it consisted mainly of questions. Well, Shorty Wells has the answers. If you were only able to give them out. I can't figure him firing those shots, Johnny. I can't either. He fired them before he came out of the blaze. He apparently wasn't trying to shoot anyone. He couldn't even see anyone the way he's burned. I'm afraid all we can do is wait. At least we'll know the whole story once he's able to talk. Suppose he never is able. Well, he's the only lead we've had. And he's the only one we've got now. The whole case is lying right there on that bed. If Shorty Wells dies without regaining consciousness, then we can drop it and forget it. Because we're beat. <laughs> Dollar. It's me, Johnny. Marty? Yeah. How is he? All about the same. Dr. Morton just gave him another transfusion. Has he been able to say anything yet? He hasn't even been conscious. Why, Marty? Well, who's there with you? Joe Crayley and the city attorney. Look, Johnny, I've got to talk to you right away. All right. Go ahead and talk. No, not on the phone. All right. It's room 604, city hospital. Come on over. Not with them there. Why don't you come meet me? Because Shorty Wells is the key to this whole case. If he's able to talk before he dies, I want to be here to listen. Suppose I tell you I'm ready to talk, Johnny. Are you telling me? I'm in an all-night lunchroom right across the street from the hospital. Can you come over here? All right, Marty. I'll gamble with you. Be there in five minutes. <laughs> From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Greensport, Missouri, to the Home Office Great Plains Guarantee Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, 
The Open Town Matter. Expense account, final page. I hung up the phone more puzzled than ever, and heaven knows the case had been puzzling from the start. Marty Blake, young widow of the murdered police chief, had been completely uncooperative and unwilling to talk. And now she was reversing her field. Why? Her house had burned to the ground earlier in the evening, and Shorty Wells, number one on the city attorney's wanted-for-murder list, had been found trapped in the flames. Maybe this had something to do with Marty's phone call. She'd been my number one suspect at first, since she stood to collect $50,000 as beneficiary of her husband's life insurance. But then the city attorney himself, Dave Sherman, had provided her with an airtight alibi, and I'd reluctantly let her off the hook. Now this. I didn't know what she was up to, and I couldn't afford not to find out. Something up, darling? Well, that was Marty Blake, Mr. Sherman. She's in a lunchroom across the street. She wants to see me. Oh, what about? She didn't say. Well, go ahead and talk to her if you want to, Johnny. I'll call you if Shorty starts to regain consciousness. All right, thanks, Joe. I'm sticking right here myself. This one I'm going to follow personally. Well, if you really want to break the rackets in this town, your answer is lying right there in that bed, Shorty Wells. I think you're right, if he's ever able to talk. And if your police laddies don't fall over their own feet again, the way they did on that gun business when Ed Blake was shot. That mistake was partly justified, Joe. It was the chief's own gun that was lying beside his body. It was natural to assume that he'd exchanged shots with a prowler. Yeah, but two days to realize he'd been shot with his own gun. All right, all right. They fouled up, I admit it. And the ones who aren't stupid are crooked. Every raid you try to pull has been tipped off in the I know it, I know it. Even when Mayor Lyons brought in state police, the whole plan was tipped. Which you took great pleasure in pointing out in your news right, story. All you guys, look now. I'll leave you two to settle this. Stick on this guy like a leech. And if he shows any sign of coming to and talking, let me know right away, will you? Yeah, we're good. Yeah. I'll see you later. Back here in the booth, Johnny. Right. Well, what's on your mind, Marty? Sit down, Johnny. Here, come on. Why not? Well? The waiter's in back if you'd like some coffee or something. No, thanks. Okay, now what is it? What is what? You had to talk to me right away. All right, talk. Johnny, I'm not too hard to take, am I? No, no, you're a pink and gold doll. Wild honeysuckle and a handful of stars. At least that's what a couple of guys said today. I don't care what a couple of guys said. What do you say, Johnny? I guess the description fits, as far as looks are concerned. And if that's all you want to talk about... No, no, wait, Johnny. I'm in the clear on this, you know that. The night my husband was killed, I've got an alibi nobody could shake, right? Well, I'm pretty well convinced you didn't pull the trigger, if that's what you mean. And you could convince the insurance company, too, couldn't you? If you would. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they'd go pretty much in my reports. But I don't well, see... Why don't we get this settled and over with? Why don't you be nice, Johnny? And turn in a real good report. Oh, so that's the pitch. Well, it's not a pitch. I didn't do it, so why can't you tell them so? Why don't we get some more answers first to a lot of questions? Explain a few odd angles, maybe. Like what? Like the fact that you heard the noise and woke up, that you sent your husband downstairs, that you turned on the light behind him and made him a perfect target for whoever held a gun. Johnny, like I... Like the have... fact that you found your insurance claim less than 24 hours after your husband was killed. 
Suppose we hear what Shorty Wells has to say before I make any report. What if Shorty dies without talking? Well, in that case, I guess you will be in the clear. Because right now, he's the only lead I've got. Now, if you'll excuse me. Johnny, make that report. Make it now. Sorry. I'll give you $10,000 out of the insurance. Oh, you are anxious, aren't you? I just want to get it settled. Sit down, Johnny, and let's talk about it. Yeah, Joe, what is it? Fireman I know just came by the hospital, Johnny. They found out why Shorty fired those shots just before he ran out of the blazing house. Why? That cellar door was padlocked on the outside. He had to shoot the lock off to get out. Then he probably didn't set the fire after all. Not if he was locked in the basement. What about that, Marty? Was he the one who was supposed to die in the fire? If he was hiding out in my cellar, I didn't know anything about it. Just another one of those odd angles, huh? Oh, stop it. Johnny, by the way, uh, what do you want to see me about? See about? What do you mean? Well, yeah, the nurse said you phoned the hospital. Said you wanted me to meet you here. You mean you didn't? Come on, Joe, let's get back there. Sure, that's why she wanted me to meet her there, to get me away from that room. Then somebody phoned and got you away. Elevator's coming down now, Johnny. Shorty's the one big threat to whoever's guilty. They know that if he talks, they're tagged. Get up to his room. No, I thought... Mr. Sherman, leaving? Well, yes, somebody phoned. It's the mayor. He wants me to meet him across the street. Anybody up there with Shorty Wells? The doctor will be back in a few moments. Come on, Sherman, back into the... Wait a minute! Look, I've got to meet Mayor Start it up, Joe, start it up. Sixth floor, number six... May I ask what's going on here? I haven't got time to go back upstairs. I told you... I'm afraid you'll have to take time, Mr. Sherman. It was all right to leave, Dollar. Shorty wasn't showing any signs of coming to. Did you make sure of that? Did I... Look, Dollar, I I don't get what you're driving. All right, Come on, now, let's go. Would somebody please let me in on this? Let's take a look at Shorty first, Mr. Sherman. Johnny, what happened to the cop who was on duty? Well, he was here in the hall when I left just a moment ago. Oh, he got to walk down to... Did you leave that door ajar, Mr. Sherman? Why, no, no, of course not. Come on, but quietly. What the devil? Are we interrupting something, Mayor Lyons? Well, well, What's he doing with that pillow? uh, Nothing, nothing. I I wasn't doing a thing. You were holding it down over Shorty's face. Get out of the way. I think you were trying... Shorty's dead. You smothered him with that pillow. Oh, no, he was he, he was dead when I came in. I was I was just moving the pillow, Dave. Did you have to get us all out of this room and then send the police guard away just to move a pillow? Mr. Dollar, are you suggesting... Well, I'm suggesting have... it for one. Dollar, I've been sure for months that Mayor Lyons was back of the rackets here, but I didn't have any way of proving it. Until now, perhaps. Until now, Mayor. Very well, don't move, any of you. Oh, now, wait a minute. That gun isn't really your answer, Mayor. There are three of us, you know. You can't get us all. Stay back, Dollar. Tell me something. Why did you have Ed Blake killed? Wasn't he one of your own boys? I can tell you why. Now, Ed Blake was going to pull out of the racket, Stoller, and spill the whole setup to me. That was the reason for that fishing trip. Then it must have been Marty who tipped off Mayor Lyons. Sure, sure, it figures. She loved that racket money that Ed was bringing home, and Shorty Wells was in town with a grudge against Ed already. Well, it was real convenient for you, wasn't it, Mayor? As a matter of fact, Dave, it was very convenient. Then Shorty hid out in the cellar of Marty's house until she decided things would be less complicated if she locked the cellar door and burned the house down. Marty was a weak link, you might say. She... Stay back, Dave. Oh, you better give me the gun now, Mayor. No! Get back! Do what he says, Mayor. You haven't a chance. I'm warning you, Dollar, if you try yeah, to... Yeah, I hear you. But I doubt if you can... Let go of it, Mayor. Drop that gun. Let go of... No! Thanks. 
No, he's... Look out, he's getting away! Lock the doors! You'll never stop me from... Look out! That window! He's trapped! Six floors down. Yeah. Well, he got out of being prosecuted. As a matter of fact, there's nobody left to prosecute. You want a bet? She was still sitting there in the lunchroom across the street from the hospital. And she'd heard what had happened. I knew it the second Dave and I walked in, from the half-smile of triumph on her face, and from the way she greeted me. Too bad, Johnny. You should have taken my offer because I don't need your help now. Your company's going to have to pay off. I'm really in the clear now. You are, huh? And poor Dave, with nobody left to prosecute. He still has you, Marty. Accomplice to your husband's murder. Uh-uh, Johnny. Shorty died without talking. Mayor Lyons is dead. No witnesses, no case. Sorry, Marty. There is a witness. Oh? Who? You. What are you talking about? What's that paper? Well, you intended it to be an insurance claim. But actually, it's more of a confession. Signed and witnessed. What? You were over-anxious, Marty. And you filled it out in complete detail. It says... We found my husband's body at the foot of the stairs. That's right. That he'd been shot and killed with his own gun. Well, it's true, isn't it? That's what happened. Yeah. But this claim was in the main office of the insurance company less than 24 hours after your husband was killed. The police didn't find out he'd been shot with his own gun until two days later. Real neat confession, huh, Marty? Expense account item 12, $310.45. Incidentals in Greensport and transportation back to Hartford. Expense account total, $516.20. End of account, end of report. Remarks? Marty Blake never was able to explain how she knew about that gun. She sure tried. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Here's our star to tell you about next week's story. Before I do that, please let me say thanks to all of you who are so kind about writing and telling us how much you like Johnny Dollar. It's a very gratifying experience. It's encouragement to all of us who are involved in production of the program. And, well, we appreciate your letters more than you know. As always, I'll try to answer you promptly, but sometimes the mail does pile up. In any event, thanks. Thanks very much for writing. Next week, a yacht that wasn't there... And a man who wasn't there. They never were. But that's where I found them. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. It is written by Les Crutchfield and produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in this week's cast were Gene Tatum, Paul Dubov, Joseph Kern, Stacey Harris, and Russell Thorson. Musical supervision by Amerigo Marino. 
Be sure to join us on Monday night, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Roy Rowan speaking. Welcome back. This is yet another story that was expanded from a John Lund episode, in this case, the Dan Frank matter. A few months back, a gentleman was posting quite a bit on our YouTube channel and made the argument that the serials expanded pointlessly on 30-minute stories. I disagree with this in general uh, because we have uh, quite a few stories that are original anyway, but if you want to make that case, this serial would be a prime exhibit. Of all the serials we've heard so far, it's hard to think of one that added less to the original story than this one. Most will either combine storylines from multiple old-time radio programs or add more emotional weight or side characters to a story to give it more depth. I mean, where's a taco truck when you need it in this story? This one pads out the runtime. We have a lot of recapping and characters kind of circling each other and relitigating their old grudges, particularly over Marty. The story itself is still a solid one in terms of its mystery and plot, but doesn't really do a whole lot with its expanded runtime. I do wonder what was going on behind the scenes on this one. Given that next week's story got delayed by a week, it's possible that Les Crutchfield's script had to be pushed forward because he could really get it finished and just did the best he could, even if the results were not optimal. Shorty's murder at the hospital was a very risky maneuver, but at this point, you're dealing with a desperate man in the case of the mayor. I don't think Marty was desperate. I think she fully expected how things would play out. Uh, only being surprised that her own eagerness in filling out the claim form did her in. This makes the mayor's statement about her being a weak link in his plans ironic, since I think he was probably the weak link in hers. Also, I appreciated uh, Bob Bailey's uh, note to letter writers whose support and encouragement had to be vital for their continued success on radio in an era when radio was in decline. And really, the people who kept listening are the only reason that we have the last few years of the golden age of radio. Now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and uh, we have a comment from Ryan, sir, uh, regarding the oddest touch matter, Lake Mojave is my favorite Johnny Dollar location. Love the relationships that develop between Johnny, Buster, Ham, etc. Great show. And then I also had a comment regarding the sponsor we had a few weeks back. 
Uh, this one comes from Gypsy. Gypsy writes, Green Archer Comics isn't a great company name for people who use search engines when they can't remember the URL. Well, I'm sorry if you struggled with finding the exact URL. I did actually include it in the show notes of the episode, and I had a card pop up when the video played on YouTube with the a website for Green Archer Comics. However, for anyone who missed it, I'll go ahead and repeat it. It's johnnydollar.io. And I know uh, .io is not one of the old school domains so many of us are familiar with, but that will get you there. johnnydollar.io. I is in India, O is in Oscar, and just Johnny Dollar completely spelled out. Now, by the time this episode airs, their Kickstarter will be over, but the good news is, at the time of recording, it has already surpassed its goal, so issue two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, will be printed, and when it is, you'll be able to get it from that website, along with issue one, which is available now at johnnydollar.io. Well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Dawn. Dawn has been one of our Patreon supporters since October 2021. Currently supporting the podcast at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Dawn. And that will actually do it for today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And be sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you download it from. We'll be back on Tuesday with the Johnny Dollar cereal we were promised last week. But join us back here tomorrow for Dragnet, where... You get anything from the neighbors? The usual, Ed. No jealous boyfriends, ex-husbands, nothing like that. Boys find any evidence yet, Skipper? I'm still working on it. You got any theories? Well, we know the killings were all done by the same guy. Mm -hmm. Cuts the same pattern out of the window screen. Cuts the same pattern with a glass cutter out of the window. Reaches in and flips the lock. All right, where's that leave us? And before he gets inside, he makes sure there are only women in the house. That means he probably watches the house for a few days. Yeah. Once he gets inside, he wants only one thing, to kill. He's never taken any valuables. As far as we can tell, he's never searched for any. What kind of a man works like that? I think the guy's kill crazy. Hey, fellas. Yes, Donner? I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash greatdetectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.